0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's it's a real joy to be uh, back with you uh, here at Fivehead once again. I think this is probably about my third time I've been here. The last time was Palm Sunday last year, uh, so I thought that was quite a coincidence. But one of the things I enjoy when I come here is the sense of real community and family. You're it's just so, some churches you go in and you go in and yes you're just part you do your bit but here come in and there's all this this unity and I love the fact of everybody getting involved and it's it's so wonderful so thank you for inviting me to be part of your your worship this morning and to come and to be able to to share with your uh, from the word with you. Uh, Normally I've got two jobs on a in the mornings, Monday to Friday, I work in the Baptist Church in Taunton as the administrator. And then afternoons and evenings and weekends and all the spare time I've got, I work for WEC International Worldwide Evangelization for Christ. My wife and I have been working for them for, oh, about 27 years or so. First of all, we served in Cyprus and Greece. and the last 10 years, we've been back here in the, the West Country promoting mission trying to get people to take the next step to get involved in missionary work, whatever that might mean. I was lovely hearing about, was it John and Judy? No, the missionary couple you have in? Jenny, thank you. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing about about China in a a church. China is a very interesting place. We hear of the persecuted church, which has been alluded to this morning, And in some parts of China, the church is really, really struggling. In fact, in some parts, there is almost no Christians at all. But if I was to put a a, a demographic Christian map of China up on the, the screen this morning, you'd see other parts where there is a massive evangelical church with tens of thousands of people coming to worship on a Sunday. In some parts... You can go and you can buy a Bible which has been printed in China freely and openly. Other parts, it almost has to be smuggled into you. So China is still very much a mission field. And we need to pray for this couple and other BMS missionaries and other missionaries from the likes of WEC and other organizations who are working there tirelessly to present the gospel message. The Bible tells us that one day... There will be people of every ethnic group worshipping around the throne of heaven. King Jesus, the one who gave us life at Easter time for us so that we might know him. So do please remember your BMS missionaries out in China or other parts of the world, but also other missionaries as God leads them to you eh, to pray for them, that God will equip them and empower them in the missionary work let us just bow again for a brief moment of prayer before we look at these scriptures together. Father, it is just so, so wonderful that we're able to take this this time out on on Palm Sunday to spend it in your presence and to worship you. Lord, it would be so easy whenever we see the the sun shining outside to go out for maybe a picnic or a a stroll in the countryside and, and just forget about coming together to worship. But we thank you that you have promised wherever two or three are met in your name, that there you are in the midst of them to bless. And this morning, we're wanting you to bless. You've already blessed us as we have worshipped together. And now we ask that once again, you will come and bless us through your word. So Father, we pray that you will speak now. And may we say together, speak, Lord, your servant hears. We ask this for Jesus' sake and his glory. Amen. Amen. I've been given this uh, very interesting uh, and challenging passage to, to look at. and In some ways, as I was thinking, really, we ought to have the communion set out in front of us this morning as we look at this passage of the first uh, communion service or the Lord's Supper as it was instituted. This passage, we see uh, almost identical words in, in Matthew chapter 26 and in Mark chapter 14. Also in John 13, we see the same period and what's happening, but it doesn't actually go into the, the detail of the, of the Lord's Supper. Let me move that down slightly. It doesn't go into the same detail of the Lord's Supper as we see in the Synoptic Gospels. According to the Jewish tradition, the Passover, we have to go way back to Exodus chapter 12. And we remember the history there. The children of Israel have been in slavery slavery for around about 300 years. Moses has come as a deliverer. And God has brought different judgments upon Egypt to punish them for their wickedness and how they have treated his holy people. Then finally God has said, I'm going to bring a final curse, a final judgment upon the people of Egypt. But in order for the people of Israel to protect themselves, they had to, slaughter the lamb. They were to paint the blood on the door post, door, door, post and the door lintel. And that way the angel would pass over that house when the angel of death would see the blood. And there would be salvation for that household. So therefore Moses instituted that this month would be the first month in the Jewish calendar, the month of Nisan. On the 10th day of the month, the lamb would be selected. Then on the 14th day of the month, so four days later, after carefully looking at the lamb, making sure it was a perfect lamb, it wasn't lame, it didn't have any disease or problems, at twilight, that lamb would be slaughtered. And that evening, they would then feast together, being dressed, ready to to leave. We read that in Exodus chapter 12. They had to eat in a hurry because God was going to deliver them that evening from Egypt and from slavery. So as we turn to this passage, we see that the Lord has this real desire to come and to eat this Passover with him, with his disciples. The preparation was in, in in play. But as I was just reading this passage afresh just this morning after breakfast, having sort of spent the several days this week sort of looking at it and reading all the various versions of it and, and, and so forth, some out of one or two things that came afresh to me this morning, this was... To be a family celebration how many of us at easter time now will have family get-togethers i'm certainly hoping for it (laughs) and god had said back again in exodus chapter 12 that the whole family was to be in under one roof for this celebration so it was to be a family day everybody was to be together And isn't it interesting here that instead of Jesus saying to his disciples, right, it's the Passover, so away you go back to your families and celebrate with your families, Jesus actually calls the twelve together and says, I have really desired to spend this time with you. There's something very significant in that. It's the day of the Passover the 14th day of the month Nisan. So the preparation is in play. Jesus, he sends two of his disciples say go to this village and as you go, you will see a particular person carrying a water jar. Follow him. Notice here that in some way, the instructions that Jesus has given to the disciples is very, very precise. Go to this village. As you enter this particular village, you will see a man, not a woman, because traditionally, of course, it was the woman who went to go and to gather the, get, bring the water back to the house for all the duties and so forth. But you will see a man carrying the water jar and follow him. But even though the instructions were very precise, they were also also very vague. Why did Jesus not say, go to this village and on this particular street, house number whatever, go knock the door, speak to Mr. So-and-so, And he will show you to the room. So there was preciseness, uh, but there's also this vague sort of thing. I wonder why that was. Have you ever thought about it? Jesus could easily have told them this is the address, go there, it's simple and straightforward. You see, in the previous verses, the first uh, six verses of this passage, we see that Judas Iscariot has already agreed with the Pharisees' religious leaders that he was going to betray Jesus. The, what they had agreed is that whenever you find a suitable time when Jesus is on his own, where there's no crowd round about, call him and, and we will come and we will arrest Jesus. Is it possible that Jesus had this sort of vagueness, but the preciseness, the direction was precise, but the the details were a little bit vague, so that Judas wasn't able to preempt and have the Pharisees, the religious leaders, waiting to, uh, to entrap him there? I don't know. It's very possible. So we see person it was an individual we don't know his name had Jesus met with this individually previously privately to make these arrangements again we don't know remember on Palm Sunday there was something similar happen Jesus told the disciples go to this village and you'll untie a little colt and if the owner says something to you Was it in the summer prearrangement? We don't know. We don't need to know the details. But here was an individual, perhaps a secret disciple, who was willing to do whatever the Lord needed for him. He was willing to make the preparation at at his own expense, prepare the room, be inconvenienced. Perhaps this was a room that he himself might have used for his family celebrations. We don't know. But he was willing to be put out so the Lord could meet with his disciples and have this Passover with them. Yet, perhaps a secret disciple, we don't know, but he, he gave his room to the Lord Jesus. You know, sometimes the Lord needs us to be that secret disciple. We don't need to have our names written outside the church or in the newspaper. We don't need to be public. But through some quiet, personal means, we're just serving him, being a blessing to the Lord and to the others. The preparation. The day had come. The person, he was, well, he was there and willing to serve. Then we see the Passover itself. The dinner, the meal, well, it was actually a very traditional, formal meal. There was a precise way that this meal was to be be taken and, and, and celebrated. First of all, they would start the meal together with prayer and thanksgiving remembering back to how God had saved their people from Egypt and brought them into freedom. After after the prayer of thanksgiving, they would drink a, a, a cup of diluted wine together. Following that, they would take and eat some bitter herbs. The bitter herbs would remind them of the bitterness and the slavery and the suffering that the children of Israel had been under. Remembering, if you like, their bondage. Perhaps that would remind us of the bondage we used to be under in sin before we were delivered by Christ. After the eating of these bitter herbs, there was a sort of question and answer session where the the children of the young people would ask the, the elders, the, their parents why do we do this? It would be a, an opportunity to, for the parents to explain to them in detail Well, what all this symbolised, the bitter herbs what they meant, what the lamb represented why we sacrificed it on this particular day what it was about as I was thinking about that I thought well you know, we ought to do this more at home. Around the dinner table, it's a great opportunity. We're still a traditional family. <laughs> uh, we still, on a, every evening, we sit down together as a family, whenever, at least whenever I'm at home, and we sit in the dining room and we eat dinner. I know that's not common nowadays, but you know, it's actually a wonderful time just to talk through the day. Without the distraction of the TV or or anything, and I'm not being judgmental here. <laughs> if that's the way you do things. The Lord bless you. But you know, it's good to have these times of where you're able to to talk, and your youngsters, your children, are able to ask questions, and you're able to unpack, yes, some of the day, of your day's event, but also some of the truths of the gospel. Sunday school shouldn't be the only place where our children are hearing about God. They should be learning it and receiving it, being built up in our homes to understand what the, the truth that is so, so vitally important to us. So there's this question and answer session after the eating of the bitter herbs. Then they would sing a song together, a psalm actually, Psalm 113 and Psalm 114. I'm not going to read it now. They're two quite long psalms, so that would take up our, our, our sermon. After singing this, these psalms they would then wash their hands at this point if we read the other two gospel accounts this is the point where Jesus doesn't go and wash their hands but it tells us that he strips off puts a, a towel around himself and then goes and washes the disciples feet Showing, sh- sharing with remember Peter said oh you're not, never going to wash my feet And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. He was one of his disciples. And this reminds us how we need that constant fresh cleansing. We need to come and confess our sins before Jesus. Yes, even though we might be Christians for a long time, we need to come in fresh confession before him. To be washed and to be cleansed. Then after the washing, they would carve up the lamb and they would eat it along with the unleavened bread. We could take time to look at what the unleavened bread means, but uh, that's another sermon. Then after, after they would ha- had eaten the, the lamb or they'd finished eating up the lamb, they would then have another cup of wine together before singing another few psalms, Psalm 115 to Psalm 118. So we see this was a very traditional meal. And Jesus said that he really desired, in verse 14 and 15, that I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. We see Jesus' overwhelming love for his disciples. He considered them his close family. They were the ones he chose to be with them. Now, for about three and a half years, he spent days with them on end, teaching them, encouraging them, walking alongside them, probably uh, having a bit of fun with them, joking with them, but also in these very serious moments. And now, at this point, we see the transition. This is a very important point. The transition from the Passover to the Lord's Supper. After they'd finished eating together, Jesus, who was the Lamb of God, remember what John the Baptist said whenever Jesus came to him back at the very start of his ministry? Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Later on, Jesus would be arrested and crucified. Remember, I should have said this earlier, remember the Jewish calendar, the day started at twilight. So if you like, starting from, I think it's twilight tonight, I was just looking at my phone this morning. Twilight tonight is around about eight o'clock this evening. So I'll be starting from eight o'clock this evening through until eight o'clock tomorrow evening. That is one Jewish day. So this is the day of the sacrifice. So after he had celebrated the Passover, then immediately he starts to institute the Lord's Supper. It says, he took bread. He gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Here we see the, the link between the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and the institution of the New Covenant. A few hours later, as I say, Jesus will be arrested, tried, crucified, and buried. The Passover was looking forward to this great event. And now, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are looking back with faith to what Jesus did. The Passover, by celebrating the Passover, they were looking forward by faith to what Jesus would do. The final Lamb of God that would be sacrificed for their sins. You see, often we think in the Old Testament that it was all about works and obeying the law. As we read the book of Romans, it talks about by faith. Abraham did this by faith. Moses by faith, and it goes on through. Read through, for example, Hebrews chapter eleven. They were looking forward by faith in the symbolism of the Passover to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now, likewise, we're looking back. We knew the details in the Old Testament. They were looking forward with a vague sort of ideology not knowing the details, praise God we can now look back with full details seeing how Christ would be that Lamb of God in the Lord's Supper we see wonderful symbolism throughout Jesus' ministry he used symbolism for example in John chapter 6 he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh. And I will give my life for the world. The symbolism of Christ, the bread of life. Coming down, being broken for us. There's no mystical transformation with the bread. It remains a loaf of bread. But the symbolism that we eat... We are partaking. We are being united with Jesus Christ. That's one of the beautiful things I like in the Baptist tradition of the of the Lord's Supper. Is we normally when we take the bread, we hold it until everybody's been served, and then we eat together, symbolizing how we are united in one with Christ. Isn't it wonderful? In Christ we are united. So he took the bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. He says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. By regularly taking the Lord's Supper, we remember Christ's life, his death, the price that he paid for us on the cross, that he freely gave his all for you and for me. Remember what he prayed in the garden? Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. However, not my will, but your will be done. The hymn writer wrote the wonderful words. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But no, he willingly died alone on the cross for you and for me. So we see the symbolism of the bread. Also of the wine. In the same way, after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Jeremiah prophesied several hundred years before Christ. God says, I will make a new covenant. Not a covenant written on tables of stone, but i make a new covenant which I will write on your hearts and in your minds. You will be God's people. God will call you His people, and you will call him yours. A new covenant. A covenant not based on the law, but a covenant based on grace. A covenant which wasn't limited to one people, but a covenant which is extended to all mankind. Again, in the Old Testament, we see that all covenants or agreements were were sealed by blood. And so Christ, by his death, he sealed this new covenant for us. That we might be brought into this new and living relationship with himself. This is a covenant which brings our peace with God. As it says in Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a glorious meal that must have been. But at the end of this passage, we read read together of how amongst the twelve Judas was sat there. In the earlier verses we read that he's already agreed to betray Jesus. He's already agreed the price. He would betray him for the price of a slave. And after, or while they're eating this meal, Jesus says but the hand but the hand of him is going to betray me is with me at this table can you imagine they've just celebrated this wonderful feast together and then suddenly jesus breaks the news but one of you one of my close friends One of you guys who've been with me for the last three and a half years, eating with me daily, going out with me, doing mission trips and all sorts of things, partaking with me in ministry. But one of you is going to betray me. It tells us here and in the other uh, accounts that they were suddenly filled with sorrow and grief. And if you read through both, all three accounts together, and I encourage you to do that. Notice that they don't start pointing the finger. Oh, is it this one? Is it that one? Is the but they start asking themselves, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? And I think that, that, that comes to me as a, as a, a strict warning. All of them had been handpicked by Jesus. All of them had been with him in ministry. All of them were sharing in this meal together. And they all realized that within them, there is a possibility of them betraying Jesus. Think of it. Within us, it doesn't matter how long we have been following the Lord. We might have been a Christian two days or we might have been a Christian following the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years. But you know, each one of us can let him down. Remember what Peter said? Lord, I will do anything, I'll even die for you. And then Jesus said, But Peter, this very day you're going to deny you own you know me three times. The question says, and they begun. they began to question among themselves which of them was going to do this thing. Recognizing their human nature, they realized that they all had the ability to feel the Lord Jesus. That's sober. I could tell you accounts of even missionaries who have been serving... In faraway countries, seeing people come to faith, and then later on in their life, they have totally deserted the Lord. Notice here, Judas, Judas's hypocrisy. It tells us in Matthew twenty-six, verse twenty-five. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, the one who had already agreed. To betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi? As if to put himself up as a self righteous, oh, it couldn't possibly be me. See the hypocrisy. Jesus had had a deep personal relationship with these people. I believe here we see that the Lord has given Judas, even at this point, the opportunity to repent. but he reveals to him he tells him there to the group not naming him individually that woe is the person who does this it would be better if they were never born so he's made Jesus made absolutely crystal clear but he remains Judas remains a hypocrite having the guise of being a close disciple and follower. But yet instead of repenting, he mocks him. I'm sure there's a lot of conclusions we could draw from from this passage and I don't really want to draw out too many. But remember as we come to this Easter period, let's focus our eyes on Jesus. Jesus. the one who gave everything for us. <clears throat> and let's guard our hearts that we don't fall into, into temptation, but that we're quick to repent. As I say, Jesus washed their feet. They need to cleanse fresh. That we're quick to repent and come to him for forgiveness and that we do not let Satan lead us astray so that we ourselves would actually deny the Lord.